Welcome to Rachel Watches Star Trek. This is Chris Lackey, and you are listening to the second part of Conspiracy featuring myself, Rachel Lackey, and our guest, Greg Johnson. If you have not seen any of Greg's videos, you need to head on over to YouTube, find Greg Johnson's page. That's G-R-E-I-G Johnson. You're going to love everything you see there. He is amazing. And follow him on Twitter. Follow him in Facebook. Just follow him to the ends of the earth. He's a wonderful human being. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the second part of Conspiracy. Rachel watches Star Trek. Well, Bev saves the day yeah. by phasering Quinn with increasingly powerful stun settings into unconsciousness. Mm. And if Geordie could see stars, what was it? Oh, goodness me. Yeah, if I could see, I'd be seeing stars. (laughs) (laughs) And we should stop joking about being blind. Yeah, I'm comfortable. (laughs) You're you're cool with it, so I can make jokes about it too. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. In the med lab, Crusher scans reveal that Quinn is actually Quinn, but there is a tail sticking out of his neck, which is a gill for the little lobster, as Greg calls it. (laughs) On Earth, everything's eerily quiet in the corridors, and Picard is being served tea in space sherry glasses. He's wary of taking a sip before they do. Well done. Because it's not Earl Grey, that's why. Oh, yeah! They're really showing their hand there. They're like serving anything other than Earl Grey to to JLP. (laughs) (laughs) We haven't established that yet, so it doesn't exist. Yeah, that's not the first season. (laughs) What? Yeah. What? His character hasn't been built up to that level (laughs) yet. Thankfully, the tea is not drugged or poisoned. They toast to the Horatio, which they claim imploded due to its captain's negligence. Boo. Mm. Aaron asks what Picard knows of conspiracies, and Aaron says of them, That's the charming thing about them, isn't it? When a machination is real, no one knows about it. And when it's suspected, it's almost never real have any thoughts on that That's... given that we're in the thick of lots of conspiracies at the moment <laughs> it ceases to be a conspiracy once it's revealed it's when it just, is actually real it's just criminal activity all right <laughs> yes the word conspiracy it's a bit like it's a bit like the word fate you know when people say do you believe in fate it's like well mm-hmm. i believe in things happening <laughs> yeah <laughs> is a conspiracy does that mean a thing that's made up or does it just mean knowledge of a thing that is happening that the majority of people don't yes. know about? Yes, the definition, the, latter, yeah. the definition of a conspiracy is a plot or plan. People conspiring. That is secret. But they're right, aren't they, here, that the ones that are very well known are very unlikely to be true, right? Well, they're not real conspiracies. Well, the faked moon yeah. landing or the lizard people or whatever mm-hmm. the things are that people are, are believing. They're no basis in any kind of reality or fact. They're conspiracy theories yeah Yeah. and that doesn't seem to quite be the point he's making he's he's sort of saying isn't it funny how things people suspect or know about aren't real Mm -hmm. but if you people don't know about the thing happening it is real yeah (laughs) but then actually you know you can you can suspect stuff and then get proof and then it was happening so yeah i I don't think he's got good banter no No. (laughs) i don't think this is a great conversation he's just broaching the subject of conspiracies really casually like uh, so um well uh, conspiracies i mean how do you how do we all feel about those uh it's like dinner party chat it's like uh, what car are you driving did you have any trouble getting here and how do you feel about conspiracies (laughs) i love it oh this tea is absolutely lovely conspiracies then are we are we are we 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 into those or how are we how are we all doing (laughs) It's like trying to raise the subject of sort of uh, 
group sex. What's a, what's a good word for that? <laughs> are you raising that subject? Are we going to get freaky tonight, guys? Or no, 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 no. no, no, no. no who right, would no, be? No, that's no, no, no. that's weird. At this point, I'm okay with their behavior. This isn't the turning point for me because mm. they're trying to figure out what Picard knows. So they don't want to drug him. At this yes, point, they want him mm-hmm. to talk about it. So it's they, they are drawing him out deliberately. Exactly. So that, that makes sense to me. I'm, I'm cool with that. So uh, Butler Remick rings his little bell. <laughs> you rang. <sir. laughs> it says dinner is served. They leave Picard standing out there. He calls Riker to find out what the hell's going on. Crusher answers and informs Picard that a parasitic creature has taken control of Quinn and all his brain functions. Neither Picard nor Bev check that the channel is private, that no one is listening at the door, and they don't speak in code or anything. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I kind of felt it would have been, again, more realistic. If they're going to leave Picard on his own, that would be a tactic, wouldn't it? You'd leave him on his own and then listen to whatever he does or yeah. watch him yeah, or something. Or just have some CCTV, which isn't the most futuristic technology no. in, in the world, but... They should leave him alone for a reason, I think. Yeah, yeah, they don't. Bev says you can tell who's been taken over by looking at the gill sticking out. Picard, believing that no one beams down to Starfleet headquarters armed, has no phaser with him at all. FFS. <laughs> if he brought one, it would be conspicuous. Yeah. How cool would it be if he pulled up his trouser leg and he had like a little, yeah. like one of those um sort of pearl-handled lady guns. Yeah. <laughs> like lady a guns. little sort of key ring fob-sized uh, <laughs> phaser with one shot in it for no good reason. Yeah, because they've got flares on. <laughs> that would have been rad. They could yeah. hide that. Yeah. That's well, a good idea. It's, it's hard to hide anything on this Starfleet uniforms because they're pretty form-fitting. Wow. Well, apart from a massive pink pincer sticking out the back of your neck. Well, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just want to rewind slightly because, again, it's you, you need these shorthands where it's, it's... It made me think of the show The Invaders um, where all the aliens were perfect humans except they couldn't bend their little fingers. Oh. Okay. And that was the giveaway thing. So it's... You need a giveaway, and I understand that, but it's the way... Beverly is doing a sort of molecular full body scan of this guy on her med yeah. bed. And he presumably he's been there for some time. And then she's like, wait, wait a minute. What's that? <laughs> it's like a third arm sticking out the back of his head. No one's noticed how, before. How did the medical scanners not notice it? But the gill sticking out of the back of his neck. And it's so obvious, too. If you saw something, anything on the back of somebody's neck that looked a little weird like that. I mean, it's pretty long. It looks yeah. like maybe it's an inch Yes. And it's long. And, and it's the thing we mentioned last time of sort of production design maybe just not quite jibing. Right. Because it could be a tiny, like a hole that's invisible to the naked mm. eye or a tiny thing in his eye. Or or like a hair. If you look right in someone's ear hole, you can see uh, something yeah. or other. But what, why they need to have this large physical evidence on the back of their neck, I don't really understand the sort of narrative right. necessity. To of get it. an Emmy for makeup, which they did <laughs> for this <laughs> episode. Did. Whoa. <laughs> Okay. Riker comes up behind Bev suddenly with scary music. Yeah, and a quick cut. So we're like, oh no, Riker's mm. been possessed by the creature. I like that. Me too. Good writing. I think generally when this episode is good, it sets up questions that it doesn't answer in the scene. So it's, yes. what's this all about? Why are we going to this planet? Why is Jean-Luc lying? Why was this ship destroyed? Mm. It's a very good example of good narrative being posing questions. True. And then you answer them with action in a later mm-hmm. scene and... and I just thought, oh, yeah. great. When As soon as it cut away from Baddie Riker, you think, oh. good, because you have to keep watching because you don't know how that resolves. Yeah, yeah, makes it compelling, true. It was, it was good. Picard goes into dinner and the reveal is that... Uh, 
They've got socially distanced tables. <laughs> yes, that's nice. Nice to see. It's just a big bowl of mealworms. <laughs> and then they they're all start eat with eating their hands. mealworms in front of him. So at this point, they're like, yeah, check it out. We're baddies. <laughs> Why? Worms with white wine? God, they are inhuman. <laughs> I can't eat these. They're cold. <laughs> But why? Yeah. Why are they doing this? Because just... it's the end of the episode. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to mess with him yeah. before they kill him. Because he says uh, we're, we are both theatrical creatures or something to that effect. <laughs> I love that. They should have had a Shakespeare off, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Every alien race loves Shakespeare. Yes. The more you point out these, not quite plot holes, sort of motivation holes, <laughs> the more I want to retract my credit I've given them for making the aliens emotional. Because you realise oh. it is just sci-fi writing ass covering. It's like, ha 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 ha, we love to eat worms in the presence of people who aren't supposed to know we're aliens. It's like Ming the Merciless time. Is Ming the Merciless is the guy in power. He holds all the cards. Yes. So he can be like that because he doesn't see anybody as a threat. Absolutely. And I guess that's what's going on here. Yeah, power move. They don't see him as a threat. But why not? That's what I don't understand. They're thinking that Jean-Luc will never leave this room. Yep. And they obviously, they're, they're baddy enough that they enjoy fear and they want Theater. to make sure. people be scared. And, you know, they're sort of psychopathic yeah. in that way. So mm. I was thinking they were just freaking him out before they grab him and convert him. So, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's nice to see someone mm -hmm. enjoying themselves. <laughs> <laughs> Your client might still get off. I'm glad you've come back <laughs> yeah. in their defense. Yeah, I put it to you, sir, that in fact... <laughs> uh, so as Picard tries to beat feet out of there, Riker shows up and he's got a phaser and he says, oh no. You're not going anywhere. Riker has been taken over. Oh no! I suspected he hadn't. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> and he's got the gill in his neck. No, Ricard, foo! That would have been a nice moment to have Picard try and foo him and then Riker has to... Yeah. You know, fight back. Oh, that's always good. No, they're about to put it on, on Picard. And then Riker says, let me. Yeah. And oh, then yeah. goes up and winks. That's the that's what you, that's <laughs> yeah. what you do. They always do that. Yeah. They always do that. And then they turn around and start fighting together. There you go. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I would have liked that. Yeah. Aww. Spock and Kirk would have. Drop the ball. So Aaron says that the creature was meant for Bev, but never mind. We'll get to that later. Hmm. The one thing both races share is a love of theatre. And you've put on a fine show. What race are you? Where are you from? It's not important. Let us just say we've come a long way to join you. It's a perfect match. We're the brains, you're the brawn. You'll understand soon, Picard. Indeed. We've been moving slowly, cautiously for many months now. Careful to cover our tracks, careful not to arouse suspicion until it's too late. And now it's too late. For you, that is. Well said, brother. Picard and Riker control the Enterprise, which means we control the Enterprise. Eat hearty, brother. Relish in your body. Riker digs around in the worms for a bit, live ones, with his hand, yeah. and raises them to his lips. Then he pulls out his phaser <laughs> and shoots the security guard. That was a terrible time to do that because they're all looking at him to watch him eat the Like, he should have just eaten them. Like, get tough, Riker. You're a Starfleet officer. Eat a big mouthful of worms. And when they're all like, ah, he's one of us. Yeah. Then pull out the phaser and start shooting him. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think in later eps, I think you do the more sophisticated thing. And I think 
Riker eating something to prove would be such a badass move. Like yeah. <laughs> to, to show, yeah, yeah, I'm, I, I'll drink a big thing of blood or I'll eat some live worms. It would be quite nice if they didn't believe him, but then he eats the worms, therefore he proves it would just have, it would be so gross. Yeah, it would be gross. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it was too gross, yeah. But later on, what does happen with Riker and worms, there is a, a scene. Riker will eat anything. <laughs> <laughs> God, I need that on a t-shirt. That sounded ruder than I meant it to. I'm, I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, retracted. <laughs> when Captain Scott draws her phaser at Riker, Picard grabs her arm and throws off her aim. So she's not one of the strong ones then. Mm, good point. Well, well I mean, throwing off somebody's aim and then mm. actually beating them in a fight are two different things. Yeah, Riker is able to shoot her. They take them all out except for Savar tries to do a Vulcan neck pinch on Riker. But it just kind of hurts. It doesn't knock him out or anything. No. Mm. Memory Alpha said, The Vulcan nerve pinch is used in this episode. However, unlike TOS, a person doesn't fall unconscious after the pinch, but Grimace is in pain. It's possible, however, that the parasite controlling Savar may not have been performing the neck pinch properly. <laughs> I think that's very generous. <laughs> yeah, okay. It is possible, mm. however. Mm. Sure. How would that work? Because obviously the alien takes over the body, mm -hmm. but doesn't have access to the brain. So that doesn't know the memories of the people. It doesn't have the long term memories, but it's obviously unless they're very close to human in thought. They're all acting human, aren't they? Mm. Well, sure. And Vulcan. Well, yeah. But what I'm saying is that the Vulcan powers, their mental powers come from their brain. So yeah. he shouldn't be able to do any of those things. I haven't looked up the sort of Wikipedia, but I'd always assume that a Vulcan neck pinch involves some Vulcan brain gift as yeah. well it's huh. not just knowing the two things to push together it's sort of um using right. knowing which finger to use it's a bit more genetically complicated than that yeah that they somehow use their psychic powers to affect your nervous system i don't think any human ever performs a vulcan nerve pinch mm. picard gets a phaser and takes down savar admiral aaron makes a run for it but Riker and picard go after him and shoot him down like a dog phasered in the bum and i just <laughs> want to say credit where it's due that old guy bombs down that corridor very nicely and it is not a stunt double very nicely is it's it not like, puts on quite a lick he he, he yeah. runs and you can see it's the dude and when he falls he freaking falls too after he's stunned he drops to the ground hard yeah yeah i was impressed with that he's a pro man and now after he's down a creature crawls out of his mouth we get some cool stop motion there mm. and the little creature goes into a room in this room is Remick. He spins around on his chair, which is pretty impressive when you realise what's going to happen next, I guess. The creature crawls up Remick's leg and then into his mouth. Remick says, we mean you no harm. We seek peaceful coexistence. All while his neck is pulsing like a toad's. Great bulging neck effects. Wow. Yeah, like good. Really good. You can't even see the seam. You know, often, yeah. as we've talked about, these kind of upgraded sort of high-res versions of, of the show, you, you kind of mm -hmm. see the edges of things, but... Whoa, when that kicked off, that is a genuinely good and unnerving effect. It's good. Yeah, the skin looked so natural. Yeah. yeah. The stop motion's a bit cute, but that bulging yeah. Yeah. really... Uh, yeah. What I love here is that there's no response... Well, there is a response, but there's no verbal response from Riker and Picard. They just freaking shoot him. <laughs> yeah. We seek peaceful coexistence. Fire! Yes. <laughs> <laughs> just... <laughs> I remember this scene when it was first on, and it was shocking. Mm. Because it's shocking now. Oh, man, It's this is like the goriest thing that has ever been on Star Trek. First, Remick's face is blown off, and then you can see his skeleton underneath it. He's mm. apparently made of grey mush in there, and his, I guess his brain is just his brain exploding. Oh, yeah, his, yeah, and then his head freaking explodes. 
like full on. You briefly see his eyeballs. Mm. Yeah. But they, but yeah, that sort of open carcass. Yes. I'm amazed they didn't they didn't suggest like, let's rewrite it so they've been replaced by robots or yeah mm. because it's full on spine ribs inside yes. of a human body. They've made it not yeah. too red, but God mm. Almighty, <laughs> yeah. it's pretty genuine gross. gore. It's just an eviscerated corpse. <laughs> yes. It kind of dissolves as though it's in acid. Well, that happens after they blow off his head. His chest glows and mm. then opens up. Very Indiana then, Jones, I thought, that light from within. Very sort of yes. Ark of the Covenant type effects. Oh. And then this the big creature comes out, which is different than the lobsters. It's It kind of looks totally different. It looks oh, yeah. like an alien from the movie Aliens yeah. kind of creature coming out of his chest. It must be the queen of all of these things we, we discover later that it's controlling them. And then Picard and Riker kind of look more disgusted. And then they just blast it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't even find out what it has to say. <laughs> nope. Yeah, it's the just blasting thing that's uh, quite shocking behaviour, especially why is it in response to all we want is peaceful coexistence? Such a strange yeah. choice because you think you would just make it a rant about, you know, when we're done, there won't be a human soul left alive in the whole universe or something. Yeah, it's yeah. more menacing. So it's much more of a we had no choice type vibe. Yeah, there could have been some good trying to talk our way out of it thing here where the alien mm. is like look our race was dying this is the only way we could survive yeah. we need your help we were afraid you would maybe that's too much of the binary thing going on there but obviously i think greg's right they just want to wrap it up yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so having them just blow blow up the baddies seems very unstarfleet but yes. then again these things are an existential threat to starfleet if they were doing what they were doing starfleet could be gone done and that's it so maybe they were just like, well, how else are we going to deal with this besides killing these things? Yeah. Yeah. In the real world, I think the right thing to do is to is to phaser that guy and the huge monster in his chest. But yeah, it's whether it feels Star Trek, isn't it? It's not yeah. sort of. I think it's what you would do if, if confronted with this situation sure. and you had a laser gun in your hand. <laughs> but this is Star Trek, so it it feels like there's a couple of lines missing or. Yeah. Mm, they were in no danger. Often you will have aliens. They will lead to their own destruction, or you will somehow get round the goodies having to just kill the baddies so that's why i think that moment feels quite sort of two-dimensional in terms of just kill him just shoot him and the way they grimace so it's like oh god it's ugly as well after all the things they've seen (laughs) oh no it's screaming what an annoying (laughs) noise keep shooting it yeah that scream it's pretty ghastly Wrapping up the show, back on the Enterprise, Picard notes in his log that Admiral Quinn and the others are fine now. The parasites died after the Queen was killed. Convenient. (laughs) What kind of crappy evolution is that? They would never have survived this long if one of them dying meant they all died. Yeah. That's another sci-fi trope, isn't it? It's robots who are all powered by the same power source, psychics who are all connected to anything that's connected together in a network. You know, okay, that's the solution. That's how you're going to do it. Independence Day, that's how they beat the aliens. They also do it in the Avengers movie. Oh. The Chitari, once they destroy the yeah. Chitari control ship, all the Chitari just drop dead. So they bring out a mop, mop it all up, nothing to see here. <laughs> that's the end of that. They do acknowledge um, how it felt wrong to kill them, didn't they? Or like oh, do it, they? It, we didn't want to do it, but it was mm. our only choice. Or There is something, to be fair, there is some dialogue about... It was a tough call. In his captain's log that we don't have before. That. Oh, right. That's, it's in there. Yeah. But this is the last little scene. It was Dr. Crusher's idea to simulate the bluegill. We had to make sure it would fool everyone, including you. That it did, number one, rest assured. Captain, I have attempted to trace the message Remick was sending. 
I believe it was aimed at an unexplored sector of our galaxy. Any idea what the message was, Data? I believe it was a beacon. A beacon? Yes, sir. A homing beacon sent from Earth. Uh-oh. So this obviously is going to lead into a, a big mm, story arc. Love it. Can't wait. That it's going to go on for, for seasons. It's going to be a big deal. Definitely. Why are you being sarcastic? Because <laughs> it's dropped. What? Yes. The whole thing's dropped. This whole storyline, it, it doesn't go anywhere. That's it. What? <laughs> but here's the thing. I don't mind. I, I really think. Yeah, sure always have a haunting ending yes and there are other great haunting endings in this show because you leave something hanging and i think with sci-fi you have to get used to loose ends yeah <laughs> because as writers you you create loose ends and you you let them dangle and then later on if they're of use you grab them and you tie them onto something and you, you carry yeah. on pick it up later sure or to me you can also not and I don't really mind, but I think that the choice to end it on that sort of haunting beacon sound mm -hmm. just makes the ending feel like less of a neat wrap up and it's something might happen. And I think you can end every episode with some sort of promise sure. of danger. And I don't really mind that they don't come back. I don't mind them leaving it open. I just think they should have picked it up. Yeah. Such an yeah. interesting storyline. At some point, yeah. It's body snatchers, isn't it, really? It's sort of mm. you can't trust anyone. Yeah. Well, it sounds like we're getting into concepts. Let's do it. Mm-hmm. This explains so much about Commodores and Admirals. How long has this been going on? <laughs> Possibly hundreds of years. <laughs> the original series? <laughs> yeah. yeah. The original version of the script did not feature alien parasites. The conspiracy in question was simply a military coup within Starfleet, but Gene Roddenberry vehemently opposed such an idea since he believed Starfleet would never stoop to such methods. <laughs> So, Gene. Rarely am I, am I on Gene's side, but yeah. I agree. I agree, too. I think you can't actually just have the Starfleet is full of wrong-uns mm. type thing because there are too many statements about the ways in which humanity has evolved and changed and grown and yeah. learnt yeah. Mm -hmm. that it needs to be an outside influence. Yeah. And, and it's enough, and you don't actually lose anything by yeah. having it be um, psychic space prawns. No. <laughs> <laughs> and you gain a lot. <laughs> So as you said before, Greg, it's the invasion of the body snatchers concept, which had been already popularised by the time. Mind control creatures attached to the brain, but the gills sticking out so they breathe air, presumably. Yeah, but not through your mouth. Through you would think it would be easier yeah, to, to get some sort of gill and just have it in your lungs. So with it, you breathe, it breathes. Yeah. Mm. But I'm very impressed um, at Beverly's skills that yes. when one of these things dies, the host can survive. It, it, it seems to me like a thing that fuses with your sort of spinal column at the base of your brain. Yeah. And I'm, I'm amazed that you can live, but then I guess the death <laughs> toll would just be too high. So apparently they just sort of turn to water and you're fine. Yeah. It's ridiculous. This cute little scene of her just sort of running a scanner over Quinn at the end and he just looks so gorgeous. I love that guy. <laughs> but complete picture of health. Yeah. He's after he's had this massive creature that's, you know, palm sized. Yeah somehow extracted from his head yeah and it's entered uh, or left or both his mouth yeah from his brain so how yeah, how is have, anything still intact there's in there? no direct route so it would have to make one yes to get to that location yeah you got a point same there. thing with remick earlier 
He's had 20 of those coming through his mouth. Well, yeah. He had, he's still talking and breathing. The queen and all the babies inside there. Yeah, so. he's the hive. Yeah, on that. Also, it's kind of the communist metaphor that they used to use in the 50s, maybe, with the, it could be anyone, the enemy could be anyone. Tomei yeah. intended it to refer to the Iran-Contra affair, but references to this were swept under the carpet. Mm. What did the aliens want? Peaceful coexistence. Just because they were dying off. I think peaceful coexistence was simply a lie. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, any alien would say we come in peace, wouldn't they? So yeah. You don't need to state your intentions. No, no. They were colonizers. I think that that's pure and simple. They just show up and take over and take what they want. Colonizers. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. But again, they are, they're only gleeful sort of cackling baddies so that it's okay to blow them up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. With a phaser. <laughs> Tomei's script had the aliens finished with at the end, but they decided to change it and leave it open. Justman said that he found it anticlimactic. Michael and Denise Akuda elaborated in the Star Trek chronology and said that the creatures were supposed to set the stage for the intro of the Borg, but that was dropped. Oh. So I don't know how that was going to work, how they were going to introduce the Borg, but... That makes sense to you. No, some kind of connection? Maybe they were running from the Borg? Maybe well, the, if they're no. sending a homing beacon, the Borg are the first time you had that, have that idea that there is a danger coming from very, very far away. So like a quadrant we don't know anything about. Yeah. So it's proper like unknown space, which is always the most exciting space, I think, in Star Trek. Cause it's, yeah. They tend to just be going on holiday and bumping into their old friends from school. <laughs> they do. So actually something evil you can't possibly understand coming from somewhere you don't know about is much more dramatic and spooky. Yeah. And I guess you could just argue that they'd intercepted this homing beacon and that the homing beacon of that pink prawn species oh, we yeah. never gave a name to yeah. is what drew them here or What drew something? the Borg oh, right. to here, yeah. Rachel still doesn't know what the Borg is, so we, we won't talk about it anymore. I think I saw one at, an, at a convention. It's still just kind of an no, abstract idea. It. You don't get it. For the first time, we had a computer who uh, had feelings, I guess. <laughs> she got annoyed with data and kind of <laughs> yeah. shut him down <laughs> yeah she out emotioned him that's a, that's a slap in the face yeah, yeah. she wouldn't indulge him trying she... to say all the stuff he knew that's enough sir yeah yeah i've had Lord. enough so i'm just gonna give it three out of ten. Oh, geez. wasn't impressed with the concept sorry oh, whoa. wow that is low i was yeah. gonna whoa i was gonna give it higher I, I think there's some really cool stuff that happens in here i think the execution's a little on the weak sauce side but i'm gonna give it a six mm. Don't let us sway you, Greg. It's a 6.5. Six, no, it's a 7. It's a 7. Good man. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I think you're absolutely right that what the baddies want, that always has to be very, very clear for a really strong story. Mm. But, yeah, an instability at the heart of Starfleet, it's good. It felt like a new concept to me at this mm. stage in mm -hmm. the game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm just mm. upset they didn't go anywhere further with it because I do love that concept. Uh, that sounds like that you should give it a higher concept. That's not this episode. It's fault. not this episode, yeah. Is it? Well, I'll bump it up to four. There you go. <laughs> Brow beating you into giving it a higher rating. <laughs> Entertainment. Exploding heads, phasered bodies with creatures inside. So fabulous. It made no sense, <laughs> but I really enjoyed looking at it. Oh, yeah. This is a good episode, entertainment-wise. It's, mm. it's nonstop action. Cool stuff happens. Uh, it did win an Emmy, like Rachel said, in the 1998 category, Outstanding Achievement Makeup for a series. On its first airing in the UK in 1991, the BBC cut the death of Remick and Canada Science Fiction <laughs> Network gave a viewer discretion warning, the only Next Generation episode to receive this. Yikes. Yeah, you're not it wrong. so sensitive then. 
they did this, then never did it again, and I think that's probably wise. It's season one, stretch your legs, isn't it? It's like, uh, wow. is this too much? And the world replied, <laughs> <Yeah>. yes. yes. <laughs> but um, how did they tell the story without the death of Remy? Well, maybe they, they have him die, they just don't show it. They do linger on that body, and the way it still has, re- I think it has real hands or yeah. real looking yeah, that sort really... of eviscerated, like, empty torso. Uh-huh. Mm. They obviously spent a lot of time on it, but that doesn't mean you have to show it for a long time. They really give you a good look at it. It's like something out of Evil Dead. It's very, very strong yeah. stuff. Yeah. It is very good. I would watch that scene again, and the way that they cut between... They do allow Remick to stand up at one point before they phaser him, and then he kind of falls back down. So oh. even though he's obviously behind the chair most of the time, or in the back of the chair, mm. with his head poking through and a fake body... They cut between his real body, his arms move, and then later it's a fake body. But I think there's some stuff where they're shooting the body and there are two real arms, like sticking through the back. Yeah, I have to watch it again, not that I don't really want to. (laughs) (laughs) Don't you? It's too scary. I'm done. Yeah, it's too scary. (laughs) (laughs) Great fight scenes. Loved seeing the powerful older person. Remick's fake body was sitting in the $10,000 non-wheeling wheelchair from Too Short a Season. Oh, wow. So at least they used that again. (laughs) Didn't realise that. There was quite a bit of tension. Mm -hmm. The aliens in the bodies act all prim and proper speaking and acting as much like the originals as to make it imperceptible to most of Starfleet's top minds. Yeah. So this has not been suspected by anyone other than those three captains for however long it's been going on for. Yeah. Yeah. I think the interesting political point to make is you could possess some people in power, mm. like presidents, prime ministers, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And then actually, I think you could get ordinary non-possessed people to vote for their ideas. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's the problem, is that it's not necessarily we need to put a shrimp into everyone's head. It's <laughs> yes. um, we're in charge and we can sound reasonable. Therefore, mm-hmm. it could be far more insidious where you actually you make people think that their ideas are good ideas. Good point, yeah. Yeah. Then they hand over power to the shrimp, and that's all they needed to do. But even though they pass so well, supposedly, as people, as their old selves, they eat worms with their hands. Yeah, (laughs) they blow it. They blow it repeatedly. (laughs) That's the only thing they do differently, and they're really strong. Those worms so much. But it was entertaining. I've put Mm. here 7 out of 10, but that's sounding a bit tight now. Seven and a half. Uh, to put the case, I think if you think of entertainment or sort of memorableness, mm. memorability, yeah. memorabilism, um, <laughs> as a series of images, I think actually this one, you've got the red planet, the exploded ship, yeah. the bowl of worms, yeah. the old man fighting, yeah. the ex- obviously the big effects at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Like this, this actually has a lot of things in it that you will really remember. Yeah. yeah. And so I think it's, I think it's an eight. I think you, you never go sort of five or six minutes without something quite striking happening. I'd say it's an eight for sure. You're right, Greg. It's yeah. iconic. Eight. Okay. Well sold. Sexiness. Beverly shooting from the hip with her other hand in her pocket. <laughs> Did she? <laughs> now, come on. I, I was looking for sexiness because I, I know what I'm doing. I'm putting my case together. Right, right. When she walks around with her hands in her pocket, I love that. <laughs> and then she just fires from low down, doesn't even steady with the other hand. Yeah, there's a casual confidence that she has that's Mm. very alluring. She did look particularly Mm. hot this episode, I agree. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) but it's a very, very small moment in an otherwise quite sort of grotesque episode. I wouldn't have minded more time on the female captain, Ursuline Bryant. Yes, she felt tokenistic. Yeah, Yeah, and a bit wooden actually, but very attractive. And the fist-catching old guy. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he's no Patrick Stewart, aged 80-odd, but... 
Okay, yeah. so he's a seven for his age, I think. Okay, sure. Oh, he's uh, wow. cute. I'm still reeling from the, the awareness that Quinn is gorgeous. Gorgeous <laughs> yeah. Gregory Quinn. I just yeah. I, I wasn't ready for this. Okay, I'll have to look again. I mean, I think it's probably in a slightly patronising way from my eyes because it just <laughs> probably reminds me of one of my granddad's. Yeah, he's got sweet. those Ernest Borgnine good looks. <laughs> I've noticed that the next generation is not really one for the men lovers out there. It's just, it just don't really have any attractive guys in it. No. Even when there are attractive people on board who are usually a love interest for Deanna, Oh. God, some of them are grotesque. <laughs> oh, wow, that was visceral. <laughs> they tend to be very bony men with a face like a foot. You have enormously like open to the waist, uh, big shoulder pads. and oh, yeah. No. I mean, I think the most attractive man in Star Trek, I was about to say I'm Riker, obviously it's Patrick Stewart, but, <laughs> you know, Riker, when he gets his chest out, when he's got the beard. Yeah. He's just it's a hunk of man. We'll see. Him and Deanna are the ones who bring the sexy. She does, for sure. Yeah, she's she, very In fact, I was thinking, was Princess Jasmine based on her? <laughs> well, I was watching it oh. this time. I love Princess Jasmine. I think she's really attractive. Yes. But she's got the, the eyes, even the hairstyle. Yeah, well, good. yeah, the tight buns. Lovely. But no, I, I mean, scenes between Deanna and Riker oh. are some of the most genuinely charged mm. in Star Trek. Because yeah. mm. they have a proper relationship and it gets... Gets good. Gets good. All right. (laughs) Gets real good. Real good. (laughs) But for this episode, uh, 2.5 out of 5. Yeah, I think it's pretty middle of the road. If I'm honest, it's a (laughs) 2. Stupid experts. Picard rates high with his gabbing on about it in front of the transporter technician before he beams up. That person could have been in on it. That's not very private, is it? No, it isn't. Letting the fist catcher know that he knows without working out if he's himself first. That's piss poor. Right. Bev is on form as usual, though. <laughs> Data's rocking his download and analytical skills. Riker does a bit of nifty worms slash phaser work. Yeah. They did get lucky, though, in being able to escape them, timing-wise. Oh, right, yeah. yeah. If you were to argue that Picard's plan was to play a bit dumb so that they would show their hand, hmm. I would say this episode suffers more from stupid baddies than stupid experts. Yes, I agree. I think they're the ones who sort of blow it, who blow it for themselves. Yeah. Um, because they need to, because it's only 45 minutes long. Yeah. I think generally, I was quite pleased with Picard spots that Quinn isn't Quinn straight away. Right, you're right about that. Riker is initially a conspiracy. I don't believe it. I need proof. Mm-hmm. And I love that in that scene, Data immediately walks into the room, gives him proof, and he believes it. Yeah. Because yeah. I was worried they were setting up a, oh, no, Riker's not going to believe it for, like, the whole episode. Right. Oh, okay. And it's it's just one scene. It's about two minutes. And then he just goes, oh, okay, There's fine. There's the proof. And just helps. Yeah. And I love that sort of thing where, where people aren't being too dumb. So I felt the other way. I felt like they're not too dumb in this yeah. one. But if only they had someone who could sense deception or that something's <laughs> not right and sort of have them around the whole time. <laughs> She can on a good day. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Give her a break. Three point five out of five. Whoa, that high. I agree with Greg. Stupid, I think it's the villains that were the stupid ones, not the not the main guys. But they definitely should have had Deanna out in the forefront. So for that alone, I'll give it a two. <laughs> it's just a three. It's a three. Okay. Minus three. So how were your guesses? Well, Remick was involved in the conspiracy, very much so. There was nothing to do with bribes or the Romulans or anything to do with the Prime Directive, really. No. So no, not great. All right, let's give the teaser for next week, which is the final episode of the I'll season. pop out. On the next episode of Star Trek, The Next Generation. Commander, look at this. The crew discovers frozen survivors from the 20th century. What's going to happen to us? In the middle of a perilous mission to confront arch enemies. 
You think that we attacked your outposts? Could this feared encounter spark an explosive battle? I recommend we go immediately to battle stations. Find out on Star Trek, the next generation. And woo, oh boy, that's 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 a good one. Very, very ominous. Good stuff. Well, thank you so much, Greg. Always lovely to have you. Oh my you. god. Thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm glad it was one I um I really loved. Yes. <laughs> I love this episode. Like maybe far too much. It's funnier to take the mic, but um it was nice to just have a bit of love. Just yeah. spread, spread some love. I mean it that's was, wonderful. It was great. Hopefully we're gonna see you in person soon, now that mm. we're, however briefly, allowed to have people in our gardens again. This week that's allowed. I'd like to thank some patrons. Welcome and thank you to Lieutenant Commander Gordon Brown. Lovely to see you in the patron hang this month. And welcome to Lieutenant Commander Burn Rosh Farrelly. And some three-year anniversaries. William Lohman, happy third anniversary. Alicia Ba, happy anniversary. Yeah. And Jeffrey Sumler. Happy anniversary, Martin S9157. I might be an Android patron. I hope so. Yeah. Don Motley. And Forest Rush. Yay. More three-year anniversaries coming up soon. Thank you all. Thank you, Greg. Loved it. And uh, with that, I'm Rachel Lackey. I'm Chris Lackey. And I'm Greg Johnson. And you've been listening to... Rachel Watches Star Trek. Star Trek!